Oh, um, I thought this was sparkling. That was a disappointment. Oh, uh, we ran out of sparkling. Uh, I was expecting a sparkling. I'll get you sparkling next it's okay. time. It's okay. <laughs> 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 we could throw, 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 throw some glitter in there if you want. No, I just wanted the sparkles. <laughs> I wanted the bubbles. Right. Are you ready? I'm ready. I've been ready. All right. This is Inside with Outsiders. I'm Jerry Mascari, and today's guest is Kira Michelle. Hi, Kira. Where's my intro? This, Wait, that this is your intro. That was a lame intro, my friend. What? We spoke about this. Okay, uh, okay, no, go. This fine. is Inside with Outsiders. My name is Jeremy Miss Gary. Today we have a yogini and meditation, uh, not an expert because you don't like that. I hate the word expert. Uh, let me start again. <laughs> <laughs> this is Inside with Outsiders. I'm Jeremy Miss Gary, and today we have Princess Kira Michelle with us. <laughs> <laughs> so much better. <laughs> so Thank much you. better. That's correct. Yes. All right, Oof, I'm glad I got that right. I mean, your accolades. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, who are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. It's an easy, Listen, mellow every, transition. Every, every one of our podcasts, uh, it's about getting to know the person I'm interviewing. And I, I know you. And like you said, coming up here, I don't know you as well as I probably should. because You made it seem as though I don't know you at all. Uh, even though we've, kn- we've been friends for five years. It's Some, been a minute. Uh, it's yeah. been a minute. Anyway, yeah. um, we're going to start from the first question, which is where are you from? Australia. Australia. Okay. But your parents are not Australian, are they? No. Okay. That's a confusing question. Okay. So my parents are American. My dad's from New York. My yep. dad is, my mom is from Delaware. Um, Ooh, exotic Delaware. Delaware. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of Wayne's World and they're like showing the different places like Paris and this place and that place and then it's Delaware and it's like a little tumbleweed <laughs> going, I'm sorry if you're from Delaware. It's great. I love it. <laughs> It's all good. (laughs) Um, I was actually born in California, so Santa Cruz, and then my dad is an avid surfer. So we ended up, they moved to Australia when I was three months old. So I grew up in Oz. So he's an avid surfer, but is he like a sponsored surfer or? Just obsessed. So it had nothing to do with any sort of money or job or opportunity, Mm -hmm. just to go for passion. No, it was was because the surf was amazing out there. So growing up here, um, surfing in New York, migrating to florida and then eventually to cali and cali was beautiful and they love it but they don't like being around large amounts of people so they ended up moving to australia because it was so similar to cali what part of australia uh east coast small town called byron bay byron bay lennox head area is that what's the population you say small town but i've heard byron bay i don't know huh i've heard of byron bay byron bay is really really popular yeah (coughs) it's like the go it's one of the go-to places um, it's different now than it used to be. It, it used to just be this little hippie town. My, both my parents had long blonde hair down to their bums and no shoes <laughs> and would just surf all day. So uh, it's definitely, it's changed now. It's, uh, it's basically a little Sydney or it's just, it's no longer a hippie town, but it tries to hold right. on to those hippie yeah. vibes. Do you, do you wish that, um, you ever look back and say, I wish I grew up in New York or I wish I grew up in California? No, I love where I grew up. I mean, I was in the water every single day. I was a nipper, which is a junior surf lifesaver. And what's that um, mean, like a lifeguard? Lifeguard, okay. yeah. And it's it's a big thing in Australia. So every single Sunday, we're on the beach. There's hundreds of kids on the beach, and they've got our little surf caps on, yeah. and we're swimming or or paddling or. Whatever. I gotta imagine it's a lot of fun because it's it's like there's not too much responsibility outside of watching people, right, and yeah. making sure they're alive, which isn't up for responsibility. <laughs> but like 
you know, you're not going taking work home, right? No. So it's just like. Well, I never was actually a life a lifeguard. You Why weren't. I, okay. Is it a lifesaver that just reminds? Anyway. Lifeguard. Lifesaver is candy. No, I know, but we call <laughs> things differently in Australia. Sometimes I forget where I. I've been here for ten years, so I don't know what's Aussie you know and what's, what's funny? not. Uh, my friend Mel D. Cole, we had him on the show. He, he's married to an Aussie woman. The photographer, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I asked him to describe Australia. He's oh. like, man, it's like a bizarro United States. <laughs> I remember when I first came to the States and I was like, oh, this is Australia on drugs. Everything is much bigger. The cars are bigger. The roads are bigger. The portion sizes are bigger. Everything's right. bigger and just more intense. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was, it's uh, Byron, Lennox area was amazing to grow up in. It was really sheltered, which, I mean, has its, it's like a double-edged sword. It's really nice to be sheltered. And then at the same time, when you go out into the world, you're like, holy shit, I know nothing so how, about how the world. how are you sheltered? Like, what were you not exposed to? There was, it was a very, it was a very white town for, mm-hmm. for most of it. Um, there was, there was like no homelessness. I just didn't see a lot of like, a lot of the suffering, a lot of the, it was just very like close knit, small town vibes. Um, just didn't see a, I don't know. Like, city was a whole nother world for me. So I haven't been to Australia yet. Uh, but how diverse? I mean, obviously, there's some international cities, right? Some, some oh, big it's cities. It's super diverse. Yeah. But what just are the? Not my town. What was? What? what is your town? What was your town like? Like, <coughs> what would diversity be like in your town? Is there so na- native? Is there in, no international? Just white folks? Well, okay. So there was. I remember there was one Asian kid who, who was. Uh, William Wong and his parents owned the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. And then outside of that, so Lennox Head, that's that's all the diversity they remember there. I mean, there was, a, that's all I re- really remember. When I moved to Ballina High, so Ballina is the next town across, and Ballina has more diversity. There's, there's a decent amount of Aboriginal people there. So I started to see a little bit more diversity in high school. Um, but yeah, it was still a little bit separated at the time. You know, when you were talking about being a lifeguard or a lifesaver, whatever you decide <laughs> to call it, um, it reminded me when we were in South Africa, <coughs> Cape Town, mm-hmm. for New Year's, mm-hmm. uh, there's lifeguards and then there's people on the cliff that are on like these watchtowers for mm-hmm. sharks. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure sharks. if you have that in, in I, mean, I know you have sharks there, but sharks. I don't know if you have these people on the, in these no watchtowers, but it was amazing. We're passing when he, he goes, look it right there. There's a guy supposed to watch out for sharks. And I look over and the guy's texting the whole time. <laughs> so I was like, someone's going to get bitten. Yeah, yeah, I mean, my town is, my town went through, I, gosh, I don't know, I haven't, like I said, I haven't been there for 10 years, so it's been a hot minute, but there was a small period of time where there was a lot of shark attacks in my area, which was kind of scary, but uh, grow, like growing up in the water every mm. single day. Do you surf? I got all my limbs, yeah. You have all your limbs. Oh <laughs> I my still God. have all my Something to be proud of. Everyone is always like, oh my God, Australia surfing sharks, oh my God, why? And I'm like, because it's amazing and because sharks, it doesn't happen that much. It's but true, but the, the thought of it is probably scary enough to, even though it doesn't happen that much, it's worth maybe being careful for. Well, there's a video of a surf competition down in Australia where Uh-oh. a guy gets attacked by a shark and he punches, punches the shark him. in the yes. face. He punches him. He's like, all right, get the hell wait, out wait, of here. I actually think that was South Africa, but it was an Aussie. Who was it? it was it Mick? Anyway. It happened Mick on Fanny? TV, though. That was the uh, Who was it? Amazing Now thing. I need to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was... I don't know who it was. Uh, well, yeah, it's not a podcast about him anyway, so it's all good. Um, so, <laughs> so you moved to this town next to, how old were you when you moved to this town next door to where you grew up? Mm, uh, 12. Okay. What was life, like when did life kind of take a change for you where it wasn't so much sheltered and 
you know, vanilla in, in the way you describe it. Vanilla. Mm-hmm. I didn't say vanilla. I'm saying vanilla. It sounds pretty vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> um, the town is amazing. The diversity is vanilla. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I guess. Wait, wait. So when did it take? Because I'm g- listen. I'm going off of what I know of you, what I see of you, right? So you're saying shelter and all that, but now I see this beautiful tattooed woman, right? Who's not necessarily what I would describe as being sheltered. Um, so when did life take a change for you? Um, so I, okay, oh gosh, oh, that's such a bleh. I guess, so my parents separated when I was 11, and uh, so that's when we ended up moving to Ballinum. Mm-hmm. A few things happened in my, that kind of, that time frame for me, which I ended up moving out of home when I was 16 because there was a lot of, mm, Home just became a place that wasn't safe for me to be in. Nothing you want to share. <laughs> no, I'm um, being honest. You don't have to. This is, but if you want how to, how much do I want to share? Remember, it remember, <coughs> stuff that's uh, you're making yourself vulnerable if you share, right? Yeah. And if you make well, yourself that's a, vulnerable, that's a big part about what I do. But continue. Exactly. If you make yourself vulnerable, you realize you're not the only one that experienced that. There's others who's going to be able to relate, and yeah. you're going to maybe help them believe that they're not the only ones out there. Yes. So, but yes. at the same time. You can choose what you decide to be vulnerable about. Yeah. yeah. The, my parents' divorce was a really, really ugly divorce. Uh, so it caused a lot <coughs> of mishap and pain within the family unit. Of course. <coughs> I mean, that divorce always does. Totally. It was, it was yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I started to, I started to rebel a little bit. Um, my dad and I started to drift apart. And my dad was, I was both like a, a mummy's little girl and a daddy's little girl. Mm-hmm. And it was always like very much so a people pleaser and trying to keep the calm um, within my family. <coughs> and well, can you bring, is the mic good enough? You might just bring the mic close. Okay. Okay. Um, so when the divorce happened, it kind of ripped my world apart. Um, and I kind of went into self-protection. Well, protection of my mum mode. I mm. felt like she needed a lot of extra support and extra care and love at that point in time. And I kind of lost myself in that. And then eventually when she started to feel a little bit better, that's when I started to kind of get into this rebellious stage. I changed high schools as well. I, I went from primary school to high school. So we don't, we have primary school, which is K to six. And then seven to 12 is high school. So I was, mm. there was, you know, there was puberty, there was, changing schools there was a divorce there was like a lot of stuff happening and then the losing this really intense relationship like this really close relationship that I had with my dad was it took a big toll on me and I started to rebel um what would you do to rebel well hang on so I got myself oh gosh how how deep do I go and how much do I skim through let it let it let it just let it flow yeah so um I ended up moving out of home when I was 16 because it became, it became really, it was an unsafe place for me to be and I needed to protect myself. Um, and so the rebelling was, <laughs> um, so I moved out, I ended up <coughs> renting a room with one of my friends who was a foster kid who had been kind of, she'd been to every single foster home in the area and they just, Doc's Department of Child Services didn't really know what to do with her at that point in time. So. We ended up living together, renting rooms from a house, and um, kind of got into dr- got into drugs. We got into alcohol. We got into partying. I mean, in Australia, it's eighteen to yeah. to drink. The whole so pretty much the whole world <coughs> is except for the United States. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So by sixteen, 
it, it is really, really young and it sounds really young, but it was only two years off. I'm not like justifying it because I'm like. I, I, I don't think, I mean, I think teenagers who end up experimenting with drugs usually are about 14, 15, 16, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. We got us. Yeah. So we got ourselves into. And I've always, I've always, I'm really, really grateful for my parents. Um, none of them, neither of them are big drinkers. Right. So I've got a really like low tolerance of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> like one drink and I'm like, woo. <laughs> Actually, that's a lie. One drink, it's a depressant for me. One drink and I'm like, oh. Yeah, so I'm a depressant for everybody, not just you. Yeah, well, it like, it, other people, it kind of lets them get a little bit loose. And for me, I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, no drinking. Yeah, I guess you maybe you skip the social <laughs> lubricant part and go straight to the yeah. downer. Yeah, zero social lubricant. It so does that's the probably opposite. a good thing. It is, and then you don't like drinking, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So even though I experimented with all this stuff, like I said, my parents uh, taught me to have like a pretty solid head on my shoulders. So mm. I was able to kind of play around with that, flirt with the edges of that without kind of getting myself into anything too serious. Um, but we definitely... You know, I didn't really want to finish school, but I, and in Australia, you can leave school at, in, in year 10. So, you're talking about high school? High school. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I, I ended up studying art, photography, um, drama, and English and maths. And so, I was just stuff that I enjoyed pretty it's much. It's interesting. You studied the arts because you're, you're obviously creative, but then English and math? I had to. Oh, it was you a have requirement. No choice. Understood. I thought no you like, decided to do math. <laughs> no, I okay. hate math. Although, Australians also say maths. I heard Charlotte says maths. Oh, I don't know why. It's, it's maths? Maths. Well, Charlotte's not <coughs> Australian either. Though. She's, she's British. Yeah. And we... Commonwealth thing, probably. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why it's maths. And my mom, being American, would always be like, take the S off. I'm like, oh, I don't know where I am. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I ended up studying those things, which I actually really enjoyed. So that actually got me to school, but it was still hard. Like, I would... I would Mm, I don't recommend this. I would hitchhike all around. I would miss. I would skip school sometimes, or I'd go surfing instead of going to school, or I would make sure I was I mean there for my classes. How safe classes. is hitchhiking in is Australia? Is it safe anywhere? It's much safer in a small town. I mean, to be honest, I don't. I've never heard of anyone I know hiking in this area. I mean, hitchhiking in this area. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it. Like, I got myself in some weird situations where it's like I should not be here, and like. I was really, really grateful. Like most of the times when people picked us up, it was like six degrees of separation. We knew right. someone somehow. Um, but I, I, it's, I hate to think, like if I had a child yeah. doing the things I was doing, I was like, no, no, no. So this no. is from 16 to 18, right? You say? Yeah, so I was also like working. Um, I had two jobs. What were you doing? And when was the first school. tattoo? Oh my God, okay. 18. I was 18. 18, okay. Um, and what was that your first tattoo? It's, it's such an emo tattoo. What is I'm it? Actually, I'm, I'm about to get it removed. It is um, a little, it's a Tim Burton heart. So Tim Burton. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a little heart and he's got a poem with it and it's called the pin heart cushion. So it's a little, it's so emo. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little heart and it's got a bunch of pins in it. So Whenever love gets close, the pins stick further in. Um, uh, so yeah. So emo. So emo, <laughs> but I I am legit gonna get it removed. Um, wait, okay. Was that your job? What were you doing for work then? So I was just working in cafes Jobs. or a bar and <coughs> teaching dance as well. Okay, because you were a dancer as well, yeah. right? What kind of dancer? 
Ever, well, my love was rhythmic gymnastics. That's what I grew up like. Is that, that when they're like passion. prancing with the, the thing in the air? And yes. That's that? Jeremy, I'm so proud of you for knowing what it is. <laughs> Bams no used to one do knows it. what That's it how is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What do you mean the stuff? When I say gymnastics and, and now that I'm an avid head, hand balancer, like that's what I do for fun. So yeah, just that's assumes. funny. It's one of the questions I ask. What do you do for fun? Hand balancing. And you like hand, handstands hand is what you do. That's what I do for fun. Handstands. Yeah, I love it. It's my so joy. much fun. Do you see? I have, I have so much fun so doing much that. Fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let me just stand on my hands. <laughs> I, mean, I love how good you are at it, and I love how like dis- disciplined you are and committed to doing it. And you've it's actually seen me because when I first started at Chelsea, yeah. I could barely hold a handstand. So, so we met at Chelsea Piers at the gym. Yeah. And uh, I remember seeing this tattoo girl walk in trying to do handstands, trying to do handstands all the time. I'm like, okay, and well, that's good luck thing. to her. Weirdo. <laughs> I didn't say that. I thought it, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're not wrong. No. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I own it. I was spot on. <laughs> spot on. Correct. We, we, we understand each other, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, so, okay, so by the time I was 18, I decided I needed to get the hell out of small town. And again, I, I love Lennox. I love that area. It's like my heart and soul is out there. But it's it was... I needed to leave. I needed. I, w- I was running away. I, w- I was running away from my family. I was running away from my problems. I've, I've always been a seeker. I always know that there's there's more out there, and I kind of use the seeking, in a way to not make it look like I'm running, but really I was trying to self explore, self discover, get a little bit more, like understand the world a little bit more and understand myself a little bit more. So, yeah, by the time I was 18, I somehow saved enough money to pick up and leave. Where'd you go? I bought an around-the-world trip. So I went to L.A. An around-the-world trip, you're saying? I feel like like the two, two ethnicities or youth that do that are like Australians and Swedes. They always do an around-the-world trip. It was honestly, I had no intention to do an around-the-world trip, but it was cheap. And I didn't have very much money, like I said. like I've been financially on my own since I was 16. So... Um, I didn't, it was, it made more sense. It was like, what, I don't, let's just say it was like two and a half K return trip to the States and back. And it was like three K to then to add in two more stops. So it's, it's three stops and that's what makes it around the world. So you do, for me originally, it was supposed to be um, Australia to the States, the States to Germany. And I was going to do Europe while in Germany, while in that area and then Thailand and then back home. I never made it to Thailand. I came back to the States and lived here for another year or so. Where'd you live? San Diego. San Diego? Why'd you yeah. choose there? Um, so my parents are from the States and mum had, uh, mom has friends in, where is it? Ventura County, Ventura area. Okay. So I stayed with um, a woman out there for a couple of days and she has a son who was dating a girl and Vanessa and I were a couple like a couple years apart I was a little bit younger than her and she was moving down to San Diego so I I met her and she was like let's just go and explore San Diego together and I never left really what did yeah. you do while you were there worked I worked in retail and partied I lived my college life without ruining my college education because I wasn't in college right how how old were you when you were doing this you were 19 20 18 18. 18. So, and then, so it was funny because, like, as soon as I turned 18, 
to be legal to drink and, and party in Australia. I left Australia. So then I came here. And you had to wait another But I was okay because I was with a bunch of college girls. There was five college... Well, there was five girls. Yeah, girls never have a problem getting alcohol in the United States at that age. Like, no. I, I couldn't because I looked like I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't happening for me. Yeah. So, uh, again, like... I was always the mom. I was. I always made sure everyone got home okay. I never drank that much. Like I said, I just. I've. I've like never blacked out. Like I've. I've never really been all that drunk in my life. I just got tipsy and I'm like, I'm done. Right. Um, but yeah. So. So at this point, are you still dancing? You got, no, you I had finished dancing. And you haven't picked up yoga just yet, have you? Oh, you? yeah. I hated yoga. Okay, so Byron is, hippie central. Um, everyone is a yoga teacher. I don't know if it still is. It used to be. I feel like it still kind of has that vibe. But everyone was a yoga teacher. Everyone's very spiritual. I hated it. My dad would listen to these. Well, it sounds like you hate what you are now. You know, like you're a yoga instructor. You seem spiritual from what I know about you. Uh, but you hated it back then? I hated it. Well, when it came full circle, right? Like when everyone's like, is that your cue to tell me to pull the mic closer? No, like, I'm pulling okay. my mic closer. Cool. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. When everyone's doing the things, I don't. I didn't want anything to do with it. You know, I've always been a little bit of an outsider. I've never. So like how I wanted to do that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I've never fully fit in. Like even in school, I was friends with all the different groups of people. I was a surfer, so I was in the water all the time. Um, so I could sit with whatever group I wanted to, but I never wanted to really involve myself in any group. So I'd sit down. I can so relate to that. Yeah. I'd yeah. have my headphones in. I'd be reading a book because that's what I did. I read a lot. I listened to music. I was obsessed with music and sit with a bunch of girls. But like, and they knew that I just wasn't really, I was there, but I wasn't there. Yeah. But like, we'd all skip school, jump in a car and go surfing in the afternoon. Like right. So you did have that sense of belonging, but you didn't want to commit entirely <laughs> to being in one group, right? I've always been an outsider. I've just <coughs> never f really felt like I belong fully anywhere. And I'm... I agree. Yeah. I mean, for myself as well. Uh, so... Yeah. But I, I know that that's not necessarily a good thing. It's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. I mean, it could be either or. It depends how you look depends at it. Depends what the root of it is, you know? Well, it was... It, and the root comes from a lot of my family stuff. Like, not feeling like I fit in and then feeling elements of rejection. Of course. And abandonment. So, it's safer to keep yourself at, like... Yeah. If I'm not in, I can't be abandoned. Right. You know? So, yeah. that's kind of... Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. And then spending a lot of time in the art studio and drawing and painting and... Yeah. yeah. Is that something you still do, drawing paint? I paints? don't. So I have this thing called perfectionism. Uh, and have you ever drawn or painted something that's tattooed mm -mm. to you? Never. Wouldn't, why wouldn't you? Uh, I had to think about that for a second. I'm like, do I? No. Um, <laughs> because I, I'm, I'm, I've got such a harsh perfectionist aspect of my brain. Um, and my it's just not good enough which is why I talk about this so heavily in my classes is what I talk about in my classes so I teach yoga and meditation on Peloton the, um, the fitness app and one of the underlying themes with majority of my classes is self-acceptance and trying to steer away from perfectionism um, because it's bullshit right there's right. no such thing and it's evolving and failure used to be like death to me like that was the scariest thing that could happen mm -hmm. 
So trying to shift my relationship to quote-unquote failure and perfection and realize like wabi-sabi, like broken, there's beauty in the broken. You know, if something, if everyone is this perfect IKEA model yeah, of it's the boring. same thing, it's yeah. boring as hell. Let me ask you now, you say you talk about it a lot in your classes yeah. and so on. Um, does that, if you found that that helps you deal with your own stuff? Totally. Because I know, you know, they say that uh, if you're feeling down, then you help somebody else who's Ugh. kind of feeling down. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you yeah, sir, yeah. you feel better uh, somehow. Yeah, yoga saved my life. Um, and you say it saved your life. So relative to, the, relative to this chronological story, right, the story of, of where you are at 18, 19, 20, mm -hmm. and you said you hated the spirituality yoga stuff, when did that change? And when did you find yourself meeting that? Would you consider yourself having hit rock bottom before you found that? Absolutely. Fucking Yeah. I swear. So yeah, you can swear cool. you want. Cool. Uh, where, when was that? And what what took place? Why did you end up? Uh, okay, so there's multiple, right? Like I call them Dark Night of the Soul, right? And dark I've Night of the Soul. Yeah. Well, I don't call them. They can be called yeah. Dark Night of the Soul. Have and you have you created that name? No, definitely not. Uh, no, I've never heard of that before. Oh that's really? Why. Yeah. And it's it's like have you heard of that, Chris? Okay, I'm making sure I'm not like. Okay, we need to send you some spiritual books. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got some we got some homework to do. Um, it's like anything, you know. You think about the caterfly, caterfly, the caterpillar that turns into the butterfly, yeah. and how it has to go through that transition, and it what feels like death might actually be your rebirth. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think it's really important to, you know, in yoga and meditation and well, yoga and Buddhism. You know, they speak a lot about non-attachment, you know, trying to not be so attached to specific outcomes and the way that you think it should be because the way you think it should be, should be may actually be what's not right for you and what right. you avoid may actually be your liberation, it's like your that's freedom. the Chinese farmer story about like a negative, <laughs> I'm not going to quote it right now because uh -oh. I'm going to mess it up, but basically something bad happens to them people will say i'm sorry to hear that but that bad thing kind of saves something good and, and it kind of it, and, and they're like well that's not necessarily good and then something bad happens in the good and yeah. then it's a cycle whereas the good brings it bad bad brings the good and it's ever changing so it's just fluid yeah and keeping things fluid it's yeah. kind of what you're saying absolutely yeah. so really trying to step into this idea of little deaths like every single day like little deaths of concepts ideas attachments yeah. um which is really hard for someone who has been in control of my life since in control of my life <laughs> <laughs> since I was 16 I had an eating disorder as well when I was young and that is a lot of that was around how internally how I felt about myself and also the fact that everything was spiraling out of control and when you don't have control you try to like grasp onto right. anything you do have control over and everything spiraling out of control kind of uh referring to your parents divorce and yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, there was a lot of things that went on. There was a lot of stuff that well, happened to me. It's a tough to time. Me. A tough age for everybody, right? It's a really tough age. But then you add in things, just shit that shouldn't happen to kids, and you have to grow up so much faster. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like a lot of the people I, I get along with go really well. The ones who I un understand have all experienced that. I know, I, but everyone. Me and Chris grew up together. Yeah. Everybody who we hung out with had a history like that where it was there was there was some things that they probably shouldn't have experienced at some yeah. point and they did. Yeah, and it builds it, it builds character. 
It does, and it just depends on how, where you take it. Like, how do you let that affect you, and what you're willing to do, uh, how how you're willing to re- react to that. Yeah, it's not your responsibility what necessarily happens to you, especially as a kid, but it's your responsibility how you choose to deal with it. And for a long time, I let it harden me because I was I had to self-protect. I, I, I was alone. I moved to cities alone. I traveled alone. I traveled through India alone. And, and it was if I didn't let that harden me, I don't know if I'd be here right now. So there's like, it's, it's, again, it's a double-edged sword. There's like the hardening got me here right but then there's a level of like the hardening will also destroy your life like it's a slow it's a slow it destroys yourself so where can where in your life did you see this hardening when did you realize this hardening was maybe you were getting too detached and and when did that change and mid uh, was that actually yoga that helped you kind of find more balance um we were talking to a friend of mine we interviewed troy and uh, in his in his life story, uh, this woman who he was madly in love with mm-hmm. uh, dies unexpectedly, um, and um, he was a mess for five years. Yeah. But he, say, he says he said what saved him yeah. was yoga. Oh, interesting. That's beautiful. Okay, so wait, I'm gonna go back to a question you said before. Can I? Mm-hmm. Feel free. Because I think it's all kind of it all kind of is correlated. So yoga for me, how did it save my life? I so dark night of the soul. I've had many of them, and I think it's kind of like you know how I mean I talk about trauma a lot right now, but I do think there's like capital T trauma and lowercase trauma, and there's you know there's big things and then small things that happen, and I think there's big and small dark night of the souls. So New York was a really hard place for me. I moved here. I didn't know a soul. I didn't know anything about it. I had no intention. When when did you move here? I will, 10 years ago. Okay. Sandy was my first season here. Okay. (laughs) 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 Oh my God, it was so insane. It was, it was, it was an experience. Um, And again, this was, so this was my second round the world trip. I know we're jumping around a lot, but this was my second round the world trip. And again, I was running away. So this time I was running away from architecture. I studied architecture in Sydney. Um, I did, I, I was a drafts person. I was in the middle of uni university, college, whatever you guys call it here. And then um, I def- deferred um, and never went back. I bought another round world tri- uh, ticket, traveled through Indo, Singapore, India. I didn't travel through Qatar. I spent some time in Qatar and then New York and then never went home. New York for me was, um, everyone was like, New York is so hard. It's going to kick you it, like to the ground. Like it's so hard. I got here and it was just like, New York gave me everything. I got jobs that I didn't want, like decent paying jobs that I, di- that I was like, no, 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 I just want to work in a coffee shop in Williamsburg. I just want to be around the tattooed people. And they're like, no, 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 this is everything. And I was like, holy shit, this was so easy. Yeah. I don't know what everyone's talking about. And then, um, and then after about a year, I had a, I had a boyfriend. I got a boyfriend really fast. And then after about a year, I realized he was cheating on me. And that was the first like, like, Oh, this is this is challenging. You know, I hadn't built friends yet. I just spent time with my partner and and working a lot. So New York started to kind of eat at me a little bit. And I realized, oh my gosh, there's no I grew up in nature. You know, I grew up we grew up in times where we didn't have mobile phones, cell phones connected to us or at all. You know, we had snake. I love those times. I miss those times. Um 
Snake. Snake. So whenever I had an issue with my family, I would just go to the beach and sit for an hour or two hours. Like I meditated without knowing I was meditating. Surfing, waiting for the for the waves between the yeah. sets. I was Being meditating. outdoors and active. Yeah. yeah. Nature. So you come to New York and you're like, there's a million humans and I'm alone. There's actually a lot more than a million. Millions. There there's was an S there. There's a, just only one million. 13 or somewhere, 13 million, 12 million. Yeah. In New York City, not even New York State. Correct. But yeah. I mean, it's mostly in New York City anyway, but yeah. No, well, okay. I remember when I, I don't know what it is now, but I remember that in New York State, it was almost the same population as Australia as a whole. Yeah. And I was like, what? So knowing, knowing that there's millions of humans in this city, and I didn't know anyone. Like, I felt so alone, so isolated. And, it's, and it feels worse when you're surrounded by people and you're alone. You yeah. feel alone. You know? I remember sitting in Williamsburg uh, at the park one time, McCarran Park, and it was like a weekend and I was watching people play softball or whatever, baseball, and everyone was just like together and it was summertime and it was beautiful and I'm like, fuck, yeah. this sucks. I'm so alone. Um, and then the nature wasn't there. I Bring the mic closer. If you I don't wasn't know. meditating at all. Yeah. Because I didn't meditate. I didn't know that I meditated, you yeah. know. Um, but my dad had given me a book. My dad is, kind of grew up, a, he's, he's a Buddhist. So he gave me, which pissed me off, because when I was a kid with heavy depression, did I mention that, and eating disorders? Um, I would, I needed his support. And he'd be like, just meditate. Oh, just all he would say? Just no meditate. guidance at all, just I'm go like, and meditate. Fuck you. Yeah. You know? So that's one of the reasons why there was a lot of resistance, because I was like, this isn't the answer. Like, that don't, like, don't try to just throw that at me. Yeah. Don't give me your bumper sticker quotes. Be here now, Kira. Which it's a Ram Dass quote, and I love Ram Dass now. But back then, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I hate this ship. Um, full circle. So, mm -hmm. uh, he had given me a book when I was, I don't know, 16 and heavily depressed. I had, I was suicidal at the time. And I, he and I, what, we weren't really talking. Um, and the book was called Dharma Punks. Dharma Punks for the Americans. <laughs> Jeremy, the oh eye roll God. was real. <laughs> I, I was a, that was a real eye roll for sure. If I say Dharma Punks, people are like, what? Dharma, what? Dharma. <laughs> people don't understand. Well, now I'm eating this mic. Um, <laughs> so I never read the book. Yeah. Uh, and then when I got to New York, somehow that book came back to me. I don't know how it came back to me, but it came back to me. And it's a tattooed guy, head to toe. Uh, his name is Noah Levine. Head to toe tattoo tattooed, which tattooed people always make me feel comfortable. <laughs> like, like it's the... What it's about those with zero tattoos? Don't, don't make me feel comfortable <laughs> at all. <laughs> um... Because it's like the outcasts, you know? And uh, so I started, so I read the book and it kind of mirrored a lot of my life. This guy's dad was also heavy, heavy into, uh, Stephen Levine is his dad's name. He's heavy in the Buddhist world and kind of like pushed Buddhism sort of-ish onto his son. And his son rebelled, rejected, was a punk kid. I grew up like, I loved punk music. And so I could kind of relate to him, the rebellious aspect of it. Um, he ended up incarcerated and found meditation during his incarceration. He also had, um, 
you know, he was also an addict. And thank goodness that's something that I never, ever stumbled into. Thank goodness. And again, I, I like that's genetics and it's also my parents and uh, just having a mind of, I don't know. I don't, I'm really grateful I never fell into right. that. Um, but I was like, oh, shit, this is I could s- all of a sudden start to relate to Buddhism. It wasn't some dudes, some monks in on the hill saying, right. do this. It was a punk kid with tattoos saying, I found, I found it. Yeah. So I realized that there was um, a New York sect in in Brooklyn. So I started sitting with Dharma, with Dharma Punks, the group here, for I would go once or twice a week, three times a week, religiously. Um, and I started falling in love with meditation slowly and surely. And it was, it kind of started to save my life. Um, and it wasn't until later on that, so I was, I was really big into fitness in this point of time and I wanted high intensity. I wanted boxing. I wanted anything that made me sweat, anything right. that like made me feel like I was alive. And also get the old, those endorphins, uh, yeah. dopamine kicks. Yeah. yeah. And also I wanted, I wanted it to hurt. I wanted to, I was such a little shit. I'm <laughs> sorry to my boxing instructors. Why? Because <laughs> they'd be like, do this, do that. And I'm like, this is all you got for me? You're my, I I my grandmother. My grandmother could make I me work harder Ga- than this. I said that to Gary Stark once at oh Chelsea Piers. <laughs> I said it to him once. And he kicked my ass for three, three, like maybe two months after that. Every workout class was like, it was insane. But I wanted it. Of course. Yeah. And that's what happened. I remember saying that. I'm sorry. But it made, and everyone in the class hated me. But like, I wanted to... I need to feel, I think that you're, you know, the higher you shine, the higher the higher you are, the deeper your shadow is going to be. And I believe that, like, I want to feel everything. So a lot of my workouts were, it, they had to be extreme. Everything had to be extreme. So when someone said yoga, I'm like, nah. Did I mention that my dad's also a yoga teacher? I did. Is he? Was he always? Um, No, he started doing that. So, you go ahead, sorry. No, you can. He started doing that when I was probably about, I don't know, in my teens, in my early teens. Oh, wow. So, right at the time you're kind of getting upset with him, he becomes yeah. a yoga Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no wonder you did, did, they totally hated it for well, a while. Well, the other reason why I totally hated it, because as a rhythmic gymnast, so it's the ball, the hoop, the clubs, the ribbon, yeah. it's no strength, it's all flexibility, it's contortion, it's contortion and dance. It's what you love to do at the gym. What I love to do at the gym. Yeah. I'm the weirdo at the gym. Um, and. So he'd be like, go into dancer's pose. And I'd be like, in dancer's pose, like to the nth extreme, being like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm <laughs> better than everyone else, uh-huh. Yeah. And he'd walk past me and just silently say, like, it's so, like, no one else can hear, you're not doing yoga, and continue to walk past. Like, oh, wow, like such a jab from your dad, too. Wow. Yeah. And I wasn't, right? I was all in the ego. Yeah. But there's a way to deliver that. <laughs> there's a way not to deliver that. So I hated it for that as well, because yeah. I was like, I can do the physical side. Physical side of yoga is easy, and it's not right. But because of the over a decade of training, rhythmic gymnastics training is intense. Like tears, crying, hot baths, torn muscles. Like it's yeah. intense. So the yoga postures were quote unquote easy because I'd done the work. Now did this, did this, uh, these Dharma punks mm-hmm. that, how did it change your perspective in New York? Cause you obviously thought New York was easy at first, but then reality kicked in and then you found yourself alone, not happy. How did that change? 
Um, well, Dharmapunks gave me a place to go to, but me being me, I'm pretty introvert. So I would, <laughs> I went for like two years without talking to anyone, <laughs> like two, three times a week. Wouldn't speak to a soul. Would leave. Would get there, kind of last minute and leave pretty fast. And um, but it just gave me. It taught me how to sit with myself, and this comes from someone who's like the typical person who's like, I can't sit. My mind won't stop. It keeps fluctuating. So like the yeah, monkey I, mind. I get it. But those th- those two years of going and not speaking to anybody. What were you doing t- for your social interactions? Because we know that's one of the most important things for mental health. Yeah, yeah, we do. What were you doing? I mean, I was. I, I by that time I started to make friends uh, yeah. with work, and they're some of my closest friends still. What well, What was work at the time? Um, so I worked in hospitality. I worked at a restaurant in the meatpacking. <laughs> I worked for places that just weren't. Um, weren't you? Weren't me. But they they paid well, you know. And I worked um, for a while at a club in. Um, Lower East Side that's no longer there anymore. What was it called? Um, fat Baby. I knew you were going to say <laughs> Fat Baby. <laughs> did you know that? How did I know you were going to say <laughs> Fat Baby? <laughs> My friend used to uh, do bookings there, Jenk. Yes. Yes. Jenk has a brother, right? Volkan. I played college yeah. basketball with Volkan. Oh Volcan. my gosh. Yes. We were teammates. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I feel like. Um, and I feel like I've probably met you back then, but didn't know you. Yeah. Probably. I was the I was the angry girl behind the bar. The silent angry girl. I was angry. <laughs> what were you yeah. angry about? Because everyone else was high as hell. Everyone else was drunk yeah. and high. And I was the only one who was sober. Sounds familiar. So Exactly. I know. You know that. Yeah. And so like. And it was like it was a. L- so <laughs> how how long you don't have to get into detail about that, but how long were you doing? Th- when did your life change to what you're doing now? Like you, do first off, what you're doing now? Do you feel? We'll get to that in a second. I would say, do you feel like you found your path? But oh, yes. When did you find? Yoga. Yeah. All right. So like I was saying, fitness had to hurt, had to sweat. Otherwise, it wasn't real. I didn't count it. Um, I. One of my friends uh, had just finished doing her teacher training. She wasn't even a close friend. It was someone who uh, hosted women's circles. And I'd been to a few of her women's circles. And um, she just knew how to hold space amazingly. So she had just done her yoga cert and was teaching her first ever yoga class. Just put it on Facebook. She's like, hey, I'm teaching my first class. It's in 20 minutes. Or I, I saw it, it was like, it's in 20 minutes. And it's right. around the corner from my house. And I'm like, this teacher, I love her. And I want to support her. I hate yoga, but she's, like, she's magic. So I literally just lived around the corner. I threw some clothes on, ran down, and took class. And for the first time in my life, I was like, it wa- I didn't see it as fitness. Like, I didn't see it as a replacement for fitness. For me, it was... I had been meditating for two plus years. So I knew how to like start to calm my mind. Yeah. And then moving in this beautiful way, this slow and graceful way, which reminded me of dance and rhythmic gymnastics, which I hadn't done for at least a decade by that point in time. And I was like, it was this combination of my two loves, movement and meditation. And I was like, oh, what is this? This is magic. Right. And at the end of that class, I literally went up to her and I'm like, how do I do my teacher training? And she's really? like, chill, Kira. Really? That, chill. that fast? Okay. She, it's, and the funny thing is, is that I, I used to teach before Peloton, I used to teach teacher trainings. 
your very first yoga class is never. That's like 9.999 times out of 10. It's never a good class. If it was anyone else, I don't know if I would be here doing what I'm doing. It was her and her teaching style and the way that she held space for, for people in the room. And because, like I said, it was, it's kind of a big thing that she was doing um, women's circles, hosting circles before, so she knew how to do that. Mm-hmm. So, so you were on your path to becoming a teacher from there because of her first class. Yeah. And was, was there, while you're becoming a, while you're taking your courses to becoming a certified yoga instructor, were there any moments where you're like, oh, maybe this is not for me? Um, no, yoga was always for me. Once it clicked, it clicked. Okay. Was teaching for me? I'm an introvert. I don't like to be in front of people. So yeah, but no. how does that work? Because not only are you a great yoga instructor, but you're also Jeremy's on Jeremy's never been to one of my yoga classes, y'all. I don't do never. yoga. <laughs> uh, I'll get yelled at by my physical therapist I if know, I do yoga. I know, Who you know he very well He also yells well. at me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but you say you're introvert, but you're teaching on the biggest platform on earth, Peloton. It's the biggest yoga platform on earth, isn't it? It's a, it's, it's, it's a massive fitness platform. So, so for this yeah. introvert to now be in front of millions of people. It's really, really interesting. Well, first of all, after I did my teacher training, I didn't actually want to. I was like, no, 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 no. I, I can't, I can't. I'm too, I'm too nervous. I'm too scared. Um, what changed? <laughs> I still get nervous. I got, I'm like nervous right now to, for doing this. Question. <laughs> yes. Do you Answer, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Do people, act, do you actually see the people that you're teaching? Mm-mm. No. So this is a part of it. That's a part of the well, answer. Well, that, that's for Peloton, but she taught well, that's what I mean, before like Peloton. Peloton. Yeah. So before Peloton, you yeah. were teaching classes. And now, now, now if t- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume the scenario is similar to what I experienced and what Anthony Martini experienced on stage. I, yes, I'm an extrovert, but I, not an extrovert among extroverts. I'm yeah, like, you're an extra introvert. Yeah, right? exactly. I'm an extrovert introvert. Yeah. Uh, meaning, I like being around people, but I have a hard time breaking the ice. Like, oh, I, I can't break ice. So I'm, I'm not the best at breaking I'm the, the most ice. awkward person ever. Everyone thinks but I'm a I, bitch. I bring that up because I also had a conversation with this guy. Uh, we interviewed Anthony Martini, and he was a, he was a lead singer of a band, mm-hmm. and he's the same way. And for me, it's like a switch when I'm at Outsiders. When I'm talking to 50 people, yeah. I just hit a switch. It's like Auto, uh, autopilot. Yeah. You know, is it kind of like that? Are you like, I'm assuming the role, I'm just going to do this? Or are you nervous while you're doing Because for me, it's almost like I'm an out of body experience where yeah. I'm seeing myself speaking in front yeah. of these people, but I'm not actually doing it. Yeah. S- same with part of these, uh, these podcasts. Yeah. There's an element of flow state that comes into it. Yeah. Originally, when I first got started, no. I, like I said, I didn't want to start that same teacher who got me to fall in love with yoga. She one day reached out to me and she's like, I know you have your teacher training cert. I need a teacher to cover for me. I've tried everyone. There's no one else. I know you've never taught. I know that you don't work during the day. Come teach my class. I was like, no, 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 no. And I was like, (laughs) 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 okay. So (laughs) I didn't want to do it. And I'm sure like it was a studio. It wasn't, it was a wellness center that didn't even promote the studio, right? So there was no one there, maybe like one or two or three people there. But still, I'd never done it before. So the anxiety and like building that was hard. But that studio was a perfect place for me to start that. Because and when you got started. Pardon? Once you got started in the class, did it, did it start just flowing? Once I got started, you know, like I could figure out how I used that studio. That studio paid me next to nothing and didn't help promote. 
So it was great because I didn't have any pressure. So I could figure out how to teach privates. I could figure, because only one person would show up sometimes. I could figure out like how to teach, what works, what doesn't work. I could play around with my playlist, with my sequences. You know, one person would show up, three people show up, five people show up. So it's like a slow and steady build. And then my classes started to build from there. So it was, it's not like I jumped from zero to 100. It was a slow and steady build. And what's interesting is uh, I have a friend of mine who's big into yoga. She was a yoga instructor herself mm -hmm. who used to love going to your classes, Kate. Oh, Kate loved right. your classes. That's so. right. Yeah. Um, I love Kate. Uh, she's a great poet. Um, s yeah. Slow and steady build. And from there, I started teaching at different classes, different studios, I should say. And some of these studios, like one of them held 60 people. And that still scares the shit out of me. If I was to go and teach in front of 60 people right now, I'd be petrified. But right. on the platform, like I taught this morning, this afternoon. I don't know. There's anywhere between like, I don't know, like 400 to 1,000 people in class. Do you see how many people are watching? Yeah. Do you have a counter? I don't look though. <laughs> I refuse to look. I wonder why they show people how many are watching. Why do they show the it's instructors? It's creating a community. It right. feels like if... I mean, why do they show you while you're teaching? That's interesting. Why do I'm they show me? Yeah. While I'm, like live, you mean? Oh, okay, so you probably just see the screen. Gotcha. I just see the screen. Yeah. I see how many people there. To answer your question, no, I can't see humans in front of me. Like It's not like a Zoom where I see people. Does I that make it easier number. for you? Yeah. Because I know one of our, our biggest... Uh, our videos with the most viewership was uh, Ileana Papa Giorgio, mm -hmm. uh, a Greek uh, TV host, a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And it has over 400,000 views on Instagram and like 85,000 views on YouTube. Mm -hmm. If I had to do that interview in front of 400,000 people, no, no. it'd be very different. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, and that's the thing, like, that's only live. Afterwards, yeah. like, I've got meditations with like 200,000 views yeah. um, or listens for meditations. I've got you know, yoga is where yoga is is very present on the app, but it's we're building it. We're building, yeah. you know, the bike and the tread and yeah. the other modalities have a, have a lot of. It's you know the Peloton is known for the bike, so right. their viewership. No, it's a is smart move for them to start growing that that uh, the other uh, yeah. activities, yoga, meditation, yeah. so on. But like, so yeah, we'll have ten, twenty, thirty, fifty thousand views for some of our classes. But if I were to stand in six in front of sixty six people or like whatever, yeah. I'd be like, okay, Kira, you can do this. So, <laughs> so I remember. So you you were teaching at a few a few gyms, a few uh, studios, yeah. um, and you kind of that became your full time job, right? Yeah. You didn't you didn't work any other gigs after mm -hmm. a while. You yeah. were a full time yoga instructor. Yeah. Um, How did you feel about doing that for a full time living prior to Peloton? I mean, I loved it. It was. You know, I had actually positioned myself at that time. It's so clean. Crisp. Crisp. Um, I'd positioned myself at that point in time. Uh, so I was working at a... At a um, I was a vegetarian working at a steakhouse. Mm -hmm. um, because it would pay me really well. I'd be, it would be flexible with my time so I could make money. And then I would hate the job because I'm doing something that's so against all of my Buddhist, like, right livelihood. You know, like, it went against everything that I believed in. So I stacked my cash... And then I would jump, right? Like if, it was, if I was in a comfy spot, I wouldn't have wanted to jump. So I had my, sta my cash stacked from working at a steakhouse and I was ready to jump. And I was making like maybe $300 a week at the time. With yoga. With yoga. Yep. And so I had, and I was doing a little bit of personal training at the time as well. 
Um, and I figured, you know, like, sink or swim, baby. I can always right. go back to the restaurants, but I don't want to. And I've got, like, a pretty stack of cash right now, so I can fall back on that. But that didn't happen. Well, so I was, in a re- I was in a really abusive relationship at that time in my life. And so this is why yoga saved me. I was, it was the, so that was one of the darkest, dark nights of the soul. I was, again, in this place where I was heavily depressed again. I wasn't, I was having trouble eating. So when I'm having, when I'm emotional, I can't eat. And it's not by choice. You can put my very favorite food in front of me. Damn it, I just thought of something. Um. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that later. Yeah. Um. And there's zero desire right. to eat. And I know that I need food for nutrients. Like, like You're force-feeding yourself. Yeah. yeah I, I've yeah. experienced the same thing. I We've spoken th- about yeah, that. Yeah, I think you go one of either direction. You either comfort eat or you can't eat. So mm-hmm. wasn't eating, which means your brain isn't working properly. You know, cognitive abil- ability is out the window. I wasn't sleeping completely. Uh, insomnia, which also fucks up your brain even more. Uh, severe anxiety, severe depression, so much was going on, and I was in a really abusive relationship. Um, and so yoga saved me in the sense that that was, that was a safe space for me. That was yeah. a home base where I could find safety within my body and safety within my heart and my mind. Um, and so my pretty stack of cash was stolen from me Oof. when we separated. Yeah, so I, all of a sudden I'm making $300 a week and that's all I got, you know? I don't have a family financially to fall back on. I don't, I don't ask for help. I don't ask for handouts. It's sink or swim. Right. And I don't want to go back to the restaurant industry. So you, know? you swim. I swim. And to your friend's point of the hardest stuff in your life can be the most life-changing in such a good way i think that i wouldn't be here if my ex hadn't done (laughs) such a number on me and i'm not saying i'm innocent and all of that like i take full responsibility of what was mine in that but but there's certain things like i wouldn't have fought for jobs the way that i did you know i apply for a job sorry you're not experienced enough and i'd respond and say hey i'm asking for an for an interview I was a dance teacher growing up. I teach personal training. I'm not new to the fitness or movement world. I'm just new to the yoga, teaching yoga. Let, and yeah. I love this. And I'd go back and forth and finally they'd be like, fine, come in for the interview and I'd get the job. Yeah. Right. So like I fought for things harder that possibly I wouldn't have fought for. I did more free things in order to be seen to get the jobs or I worked harder. I worked longer. So... Uh when how long did it take you to kind of est- to establish enough financial security to be living off of yoga how, like how long um, did you go from making $300 a week to making what you needed to make and well I, I also remember this I had an Airbnb like I <coughs> yes. I, I had a two bedroom oh, was that around the same time yeah really yeah. you were new to yoga then ish at Chelsea Piers when I first started Chelsea I think I'd been te- well I'd teach, I, I taught yoga for maybe like maybe a year and a half by that oh, time oh wow you were new yeah yeah. So that's impressive for you to have have started yoga and gotten a gig at Chelsea Piers, which is a reputable gym. Uh, well, I didn't know what Chelsea Piers was. If I knew what it was, I wouldn't have the job because I would have been shit scared. Right. But I but had I'm no saying, idea. But you, got, you landed the job. Yeah. You obviously qualified for it and you did well there. Um, yeah. To then a few years later, 
literally it wasn't that long it's mm-hmm. not like you there's a 20 year culmination of, mm-hmm. of work this is a few years later now you're on the biggest mm-hmm. platform on the, on the world like yeah. give yourself credit yeah that's a great job thanks it's impressive <laughs> thanks like i mean think about it how many people have been doing yoga for years and sometimes it's not the experience right it's every element of you right it's your personality your your wit your charm um your, your looks your ability to take yoga and make it yours and yeah. give that that yoga to yeah. folks which is probably what they saw in you as well well and that's the thing like if you hear my story it's an accumulation of everything since i was a kid yeah. right so it's accumulation of dance and and gymnastics and and meditating and surfing and and the hardships because the thing about my classes is i try to be as vulnerable as possible which gives someone else a permission slip as you're saying yes to be vulnerable <laughs> right like to see the way that i got through the really abusive really and i it's it was abusive mentally and emotionally um there was one element of physical abuse in it and that was when i finally finally drew drew the like cut it all off for in abusive relationships you end up going back and forth i left him so many times but fun cyclical abusive relationships but that was the the end but like an accumulation of all of that so at that point in time I actually didn't want to be alive at that point in time. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <sighs> I appreciate you sharing this stuff. I wasn't suicidal. So I, when I was young, I was. You, you said you weren't suicidal, but you didn't want to be alive? I didn't want to be alive. But when or I was young, it was like, how can I end right, my life? Okay, so you hear you're singing in, in your, your dark night of the soul, right? And, and you, you don't want to be alive, but you don't want to... You don't wanna, commit the act right well i yeah i had zero uh, so i would ride you you know my bike i would ride my bike around the city like a maniac huh so therapeutic so therapeutic for me it is it is but i would ride my bike around the city like a insane human like if i get hit by a car cool i called her death pursuit that was my bike's name oh my god (laughs) (laughs) so what okay well that's I, I was careless. I would do things carelessly, um, but without I, without any... Yoga saved me. Teaching yoga saved me because I would be falling apart and I'd have to go in and teach a class and I'm around the corner crying my eyes out, feeling like a shell of a human. And then I have to go and teach. And so I'd walk in and I'd be like, oh, allergies. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, so bad. My allergies are so bad this season because it right. happens so frequently. And then I'd go in and I could step into the role of teacher. I could step into the role of passing on a lineage that's been around for over 5,000 years through me to my students so I no longer was stuck here and what's happening to me because a lot of that was there was a lot of victim mentality at that point in time so I was able to get out of my head and be and present because you're be actually pres- teaching yeah. class you're going through the motions uh, literally moving yeah we yeah. do breath work and breath work calms the yeah. central nervous system mm-hmm. you know and because I'm thinking about what I'm doing next the presence is there I'm not thinking about like what my brain or what my heart or what my head is telling me or what it's lying to me about i'm (coughs) thinking about what's what's here what's present in front of me what can i teach to and then at the end of my classes i get people to check in and give yourself this deep level of self-compassion and 
empathy and forgiveness and grace and like loving yourself up in a way that, you know, when you think about your niece, right? Like yeah. exactly the joy. Like when I hear you talk about your niece and your nephew, you're yeah. like, it's the same as me. It's like yeah. this aliveness comes out. So it's like I get people to think about someone that they just adore and imagine you haven't seen them for a long time, which you hadn't and I, I hadn't. Yeah. You still haven't? I thought you went away. I was supposed to go next weekend, but he's got like Damn. the people in the house. I still can't. I still haven't been. It's been three years. Yeah. Okay. So imagine going to the airport yeah. and seeing your niece and nephew. Yeah. And like that feeling that you get when you see them. Oh, for sure. And they're running up to you and you give them the biggest hug, right? Yeah. That feeling. So I get people to envision that and then, and then allow the person or people, your niece and nephew, same with me, my little brother, to fade out, but keep that sensation keep that feeling and now give that to yourself right so i'm asking people to to give themselves this level of compassion that most people struggle giving like i'm emotional right now because it's hard you know yeah. emotional um but it's good it's hard but you're sharing it and that's that's the hard part right yeah a lot of people i mean it's, it's, it's worse if you don't yeah yeah yep so and that takes training like i still talk about that to this day because the self-critic is real. I'm good. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to see if you can get tissue it's boxes. No, I'm good. I can see that look. I yeah. knew that look was tissues, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's practice, right? We mm -hmm. practice what we, get, what we get good at. What we practice, we get good at. Yeah. So if you practice self-loathing or listening to the thoughts that tell you, like, like you can't believe your mind you know right. your mind doesn't know the full story the mind has your level of perception in yoga it's called a vidya it's it's your filter right so like you see the world through your filter i right. see it through mine we're both sitting here we come from different histories different backgrounds we're gonna leave here and have two different experiences of the same experience right, right. so The mind, the mind has a way of saying, this person, Jeremy, doesn't like me. This is happening. That's happening. Of course. So not believing it. And yeah. then, but if we practice that, which we have been, subconsciously, we've been practicing that, most of those negative cyclical thoughts, we have this it's thing reprocessing. called... It's reprocessing. Yeah. And, yeah. and negative bias, we remember the negative for survival instincts. We don't have to remember the good. The good doesn't yeah. kill us. The bad so, can. So this practice during this bad time... Well, obviously, it's a repeated practice. You for this for a living, so I can see how it saved you. It saved me. How long did it take? And once you got on the be better path, I mean, honestly, I guess I could probably answer this question: Is is you're still on this path, right? You're still working on this. I don't and think the path ever ever right, ends. It doesn't, right? It doesn't, like you yeah. evolve, you change, you have new hardship. You see things through your perspective changes. Mm -hmm. Maybe the 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 lens, the filter gets a little clearer. You yeah. realize that. You know, everything, like what we were saying before, the things I thought I wanted, there was a point in time where I thought that I wanted to stay with that partner. I'm like, we can make this work. Right. Yeah. And that would have been, that probably would have, I that would have been the death now, of me. Now, would you do you think you're ever, like, I'm, I feel like you are in a better, yeah, obviously, I know you're in a better place now, right? But before you got this Peloton gig, right? And you said, I have some really big, you wouldn't tell me. I know. I wouldn't tell yeah, you, you, but wouldn't I had tell big me, news. Because you couldn't tell me what it was, but mm -mm. You, you had uh, big news. Yeah. Uh, and you were super nervous. Um, mm -hmm. But is there a sense of validation that sticks with you now that it's, you've obviously been chosen? Like, you're, you're worthy. You are. You've been told, not just from your friends, 
from this big company, from the, the members that watch? Like, mm -hmm. but how do you personally feel? Do you feel better? Do you feel like you have that well, validation I think the, in I yourself? Think the, I think the worth has to come from outside of your accolades, right? Like, it doesn't matter. 100%, I agree, but I'm saying, like, sometimes... Does it help? It ne you need to see that yourself to be like, what am I thinking? Like, to, almost like to check your brain, like, like as if your brain is a friend of yours, telling all of this negative stuff. Yeah. Like definitely, definitely, it, it does. It really, really helps. Um, if I think about it, like sometimes, you know, my brain tells me that I'm a shit human. It Everybody's does that quite brain. Frequently. Everybody's brain does that. Exactly. So I'm like, if I'm a shit person, I look at my friends and I'm like, yo, I'm real picky about my friends. The quality of my friends are like top notch. So, my friends wouldn't put up with less less than, you exactly. know? I'm like, okay. So, and then another way that I kind of do that is body dysmorphia. And I still deal with that less now than I ever did before. But, you know, when my brain is saying, oh, you're massive or whatever it is, I look at the size of my clothes and I'm like, you're not massive, right? No. Like, and I'll tell you, you're not massive. No, I know I'm not. Yeah. I, know <laughs> I, know I'm not. not. I know you know you're not, but, you but know, we're here to tell you the same. <laughs> yeah. You. Thank you. But yeah, so so what I'm trying to say is that the the tangible things actually do help. So yes, when I look back and, and I question, oh my God, am I doing a good job? Am I a good teacher? That sucked. I walk out of class. I'm like, that's the worst class okay. I've ever taught. But, but that goes to my other, are you getting it from inside, the self-validation without looking at your exterior uh, Oh, that was your accolades? question? No, that's my next <laughs> question. Okay. Does that help you that now yeah. are you getting it more in without having to get the validation from, ex uh, from outside? Yeah. Um, that's a lot of the work, the lot of, a lot of the quote-unquote spiritual work, the work the, that I've been doing for, you know, for I've been, I've been doing the work for a long time. I know that, like, therapy is something that is kind of important in a lot of people's lives. It's a necess necessity, in my opinion. Exactly. I didn't know if, I, if you spoke about that. But I yeah. do. I talk about well, it. I go to therapy. I've been talking about that with whoever it yeah. comes up with. Again, because I think it's important to share that, yeah. especially as a man. Totally, mental especially health is, as a man. Is, is hard. Is it, the mental health numbers, as far as um, mental health issues are, you know, for men, it, it, it's, it's something taboo you're not supposed to speak about. So I think a lot of them are feeling the impact of mental health without being able to freely talk about it, which makes it then worse. Well, I don't know the specific stats around that. I saw stats recently, but I, I don't know. Well, I don't the stats is that women are more open to say that they're depressed. So the stats are that, I think if I remember this correctly, that more women, there's more women who are depressed, but there's more men who, it's men have a tendency to commit suicide more than women do. And yeah. it's usually, in my mind, that's because men don't feel comfortable sharing about depression, right. you know? Um, so I'm a, I'm, and I love it when men take my classes and it's not for any other reason other than like, I remember at Chelsea, like guys would come take my class and it wasn't like I, they'd come up and talk to me after and it wasn't, they weren't trying to hit on me. It was, they were meeting me like emotionally with their mm -hmm. hearts saying basically that I've given them permission to yeah. step into that. Like. And I, me talking about loving myself like that, the way I love my niece, the way I love my nephew, not yeah. speaking to myself, like I would never speak to them the way I speak to myself. So when I'm asking people to love up on yourself like that, that's coming from someone who was revolted. I didn't feel worthy of giving myself that love. Right. So it's not coming from like a kumbaya, hippie, like yoga, <laughs> you know, right. it's coming from... This shit is hard. Well, that's the beautiful thing about you being the, 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 the one of the faces of yoga. You're not the kumbaya hippie yoga. No. You're the 
you're the girl who's flipping the bird with the yeah, tattoos and saying, I'm very, I'm very self-aware, mm -hmm. but I don't have to live up to this cheesy mentality making people feel like it's, it's you know, you don't it's have too lovey-dovey. Yeah, Love you yourself for sure, but don't, you don't have to be that uh, the hippie. Yeah, that's, that's the core essence of, I mean, humanity, right? Like, we're taught to dislike ourselves. It's, it's, you know, if we don't like ourselves, it does really well for the economy. You know, we buy things to, to make ourselves feel yeah. good. We, we, we do all these things. Big we Pharma loves it too. Big Pharma loves it. So it's such core. Like, if you take us back, you know, to our ancestors, it wasn't about, looks and being seen it's 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 so much more like the tradition is self-awareness self-acceptance um not needing to be validated externally but like also more tribe more community we community that. and that's something you know for me that's definitely coming up massively in my life right now because as i sit here i look at everything i've achieved yeah and for someone who didn't believe in herself i have done every single thing that i've ever wanted i've traveled the world I've gone to different places. I've felt all the feels. I've played around with plant medicine. I've played around with all these different things. And now I have this job, which I'm so grateful for. And I get to speak in front of zero humans, but <laughs> <laughs> potentially, you know, 100, yeah. 100,000 people are watching. Um, and it's like, I have all the stuff. I have all the things that people told me to do. And my heart still yeah. feels like it's missing something. Yeah, but if you look back, it's missing less. Oh, it's Just missing. Be oh, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not yeah. saying I'm not grateful. No, I'm not. Uh, you can have both. Right. Right. Like I'm so I I so much of my life I have a deep gratitude practice in the morning and the evenings and. I have my gratitude alarm at Good. eight eight oh one p.m. every that. day. I yeah. love that. I love that gratitude meditation. I'm in such a good place with trusting the universe and being really, really grateful for what I have, but also realizing like, I was kind of taught, I was never told this, but the perfectionism comes from my dad and um, needing to be successful. And, you know, there's, you can kind of bypass stuff. There's a thing called spiritual bypass and it's easy to bypass feelings and just stick something on top of it as in, Everything you have is within. That's all you ever need. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was sort of taught. And I'm like, yes, I, I have the answers within, but community is also important. It's about balance. There's not one thing that's going to be the, uh, the, the best for you, you know, the savior. Yeah. Um, we're going to get into more, more superficial stuff now, okay? okay? What do you do for fun? Handstands. Handstands. That's right. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I've only done this once. Last week, I went to a place called the Rage Cage. Have you guys heard of it? No. <laughs> no, it's in Brooklyn. Oh, so sure you break stuff. You break shit. Yes, I've heard of it. Oh, this. my God. I highly recommend this. Even if you're not cranky, even if you're not angry, like being given a baseball they have bat. have on 9th Avenue, yeah. Being given a baseball bat and said, break this, and you're like, or being given a plate, like throw it, and you're like, uh, uh, what? Like, and then once you start, the amount of emotions, my girlfriend yeah. and I went and we just like, we set intentions. Like, what are we going to, we're very, we're like, this is what we do. We always set intentions. And, okay. and then that intention just like flew through and I was laughing and my angry punk music was on and then I was crying and then like, oh my God, the liberation afterwards. I'm like, huh, I feel so good. Yeah. It's better than therapy. So you like breaking stuff for fun. I love okay. breaking gotcha. shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
what are your goals and dreams? Like, what's your goal? Yeah. Um, what do you see yourself like? If you see yourself 20 years from now. Oh, gosh. That's a long time. Let's do shorter. Um, I love what I have the capacity to do right now, um, which is connecting with people, making people feel seen, allowing people to feel the feels and yeah. not bypass anything. And I want to continue down that path. Uh, who knows? Maybe one day do, this is so funny to say this, but like talks, you know, in front of humans. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a book that I was saying, it, it saved my life after I separated from my ex, um, the abusive ex. And maybe write a book. Maybe, you know, you said it earlier. Like, I know, like, I don't, I don't regret anything that I've been through because if I can share it and I can affect one person in the most minute way to give that one person who wrote that book saved my life, you know? Yeah. So writing books, giving talks, learning more about yoga, um, being able to use this this modality, this way of life as a tool to continue this on, to share this. Yeah, I mean, I love the fact that you've already started that with yeah. uh, Peloton. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite part of Outsiders? You've been to a bunch of our events. Getting out, well, it was a few things. Getting outside in nature is always, always good for the soul and doesn't happen enough in New York for me. Right. And then as much as I'm an introvert, even just being around people, even though I'm not the one who's breaking the ice, typically. We break the ice for those who have a hard time doing that, which is one of the... Th yeah. We don't really advertise that. Yeah. Well, we actually kind of do, but yeah, that's, I think that's important. Yeah, and one of the things that I do love about Outsiders is that sometimes, you know, we've been in groups of people and people are there alone, you know. I'm going with a friend or two and someone else is going there alone and we all end up mates by the end of it. Exactly. So, yeah. Chosen family is what I, t I yeah. like to call it. Yeah. Um... What is your most embarrassing moment? In life? Yes, in life. God, do you know I'm really bad at quick fire questions? We haven't even gotten there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might just walk out. I hate quick fire questions. This is not quick fire. It yet. is quick. I mean, I mean, no, what's, what's this? Rapid fire. Yeah, no, but just questions like this. Um, my most embarrassing moment. Should I pass? I have to think about things. That's not the way my nothing brain works. Comes to, nothing comes to mind? Um, I mean, I've had plenty of embarrassing moments. I just can't think of any of them right now. My brain doesn't work like this. Tell me I'm not the only one whose brain doesn't work like no, on the spot. There's been a few. There's been a few. There's some people who are there's so there's good some at people it. have like a moment in their life, an event that happened that were like, makes them cringe every time there's they think so about it. There's so many. Like most, like most of my moments are cringeworthy. Yeah. <laughs> just in my brain though. Outside, they're not cringeworthy. People don't think they are. And in my brain, I'm like, <laughs> help me. Get me out of no, here. I mean, some of these people's uh, embarrassing stories are very cringeworthy that we've heard. Like, very. Now I want to <laughs> hear them. Which one was the last one we heard? Uh, My, uh, Mike, what, what do you say? Oh, yes, he was nine years old. Was he nine? Or yes. Nine, uh, had to use the bathroom. Teacher wouldn't let him go at first. So he eventually, he bolts because he has to. Doesn't make it to the bathroom. Oh, and he's kid. like... You know, leaves the whole trail Aww. of number two in the hallway. Aww. Yeah. And then he has to like. Yo, that's traumatizing. Yes. And then as he's like running to the bathroom and not making it, 
the entire no. class is walking towards him and down the hallway. So. Oh, my heart hurts for him. And the other one is that one. Is, that one was bad, but it wasn't funny. It's it was not. Sad. That's not funny. That's just sad. Ken Tanaka's was funny, and uh, Ken Tanaka he he ran the marathon with food poisoning. Oh my god! And it took him eight hours and twenty-seven shits later. Like. Oh <laughs> Yo. Uh, this is a side note. I have a friend who just ran seven marathons in yeah. seven days K- on seven continents. Yes. David Kilgore. No, this is a different friend. My friend was... Just recently? My, just like just two days ago? Yes, but my friend is the one that won every single one. He won? Every single race he won. David Kilgore ran seven marathons in seven days on seven continents and won every single one. Yo, my friends, I hate running. I don't know how y'all do it. I told him I, I, will like, do I a have hand- a hard time pre- running down the block. I prefer to do a handstand <laughs> for a we marathon. Seven handstands on seven continents in seven days. Oh, my God. I love that. Yeah. But I do. I'm not going to say that out loud. I told Mariana Fernandez, one of the other instructors. She's really big into running. I told her I'd run a mile with her. I can do a mile. I can do a mile. Do right. A mile. All right. So we're going to skip this <laughs> most embarrassing moment. You don't have one that sticks out. I I've like got so many. I just don't know any in my brain one. right now. I don't have any. I don't know. <laughs> this is it. This is it. <laughs> 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 this is your most embarrassing moment. No. Life is good. <laughs> Life is real good. <laughs> All right. right. Uh, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to share about yourself? Mm. I don't know. No? All right. Good talk. <laughs> no. Hey, is there anything I... Well, I don't need... And if, there's, if there's no, there's no. That means I've done a great job. What do we... Well, don't give it, don't give it <laughs> that much credit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, crap. Um... I'm sure as soon as I go home or get in the car, I'll be like, damn it, why didn't I say this? But whatever, I'm fine. Okay, sounds good. So the last part of this uh, interview is five rapid fire questions. Oh, shit. <laughs> this is where I leave. Are you ready? No, I'm not ready. Okay, cool. Favorite city, city other than New York City? Oh, um, oh, it doesn't have to be a city. This See, is going to be painful. <laughs> this is going to be so painful. First thing that comes to mind. Does it have to be? Place. San Diego. San Diego. Okay. She said, she said, she gave us an answer. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> if you could do any other profession, what would you do? A circus performer. A circus performer? Yeah. Doing handstands? Like, like an acrobat. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Or, or a rhythmic gymnast, but that time has passed. All right. Uh, what's your vice? I can answer that for you. Isn't it like, Ice cream or cookies or something? No, I do it? love my sweets. My vice is, does the vice have to be bad? I mean, it, no, it, just, it, it could be just something that you you probably can't stop yourself from doing because you love it so much. Either in a good way or a bad Yeah. Okay, so I've got a good one and a bad one. Typically it's bad, but you go ahead. Yeah, i got a good one and a bad one. And it's oh, stupid Instagram. Instagram is a vice. I hate it. Yeah, that's a good answer. That's how, that's how I avoid my feelings, my friends, is I go into Instagram and avoid my feelings. Um, and then my good vice is I know like I have to meditate. I have to meditate okay. and I like I have to s- I have to speak to the universe. I have to like yeah. divine trust. Uh, those are two great answers. The Instagram one I think a lot of us can relate to. Yeah. Uh, and I the other one was it became a vice because I it, over, over a long period of time, like the gratitude practices, like yeah. it's it's realizing that there's so much bigger. Like yeah. it's I guess when I do ask vice it's more about Something that's negative, ne- negative right? Uh, but anyway, uh, those are both good answers. Thank you. Uh, what's your greatest fear? Heights. 
and really? and being in front of large amounts of people and <laughs> doing podcasts. Wait, how would <laughs> you want to be an acrobat <laughs> if you're afraid of heights? Yeah, I know, right? Wait, what? How would you want to be an acrobat if you're afraid of heights? Don't you got to be up in the air? Because I'm also afraid of podcasts, but I'm doing this, aren't I? I'm also afraid of speaking in front of humans, but I do that, don't I? <laughs> Just because I'm afraid of it doesn't mean I don't do it. But Usually you do it so well, you don't seem like you're afraid of it at all. If like you're if you in my central nervous system right now, I, there's so many times, <laughs> there's so I'm like sweating. I've been like, I shake a little bit and I've been like, there's this thing, it's satanama. And I've been doing this like the entire time. Have you? And breathing really deep. And whenever I do it, it calms everything down. Satanama. Is there, is there ever That's anything that you're not, you're not uh, anxious about or? or yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's plenty of things I'm not anxious or nervous <laughs> about. I, because there was nothing. I was like, oh, what is it? <laughs> there's a, no, when I'm like, when there's no crowd and I'm with my, my people, with my good friends, and I don't know, when I'm flowing, when I'm doing yoga, when I'm in flow state with yoga asana. So oh. asana is a physical practice of yoga. There's plenty of times where I'm not anxious, but I do have an anxious mentality. It's yes. so much fun. <laughs> um, but yoga and meditation and breath work really helps. But I feel like some of your anxious behavior, anxious feelings make you entertaining. Oh, absolutely. Oh, this is fun. <laughs> yeah, you see, like you're a weirdo and it's funny. Yeah, you should see me in a photo shoot. Oh, it's, I, it's just awkward. It's awkward for the first little bit until I start to get comfortable. And that's the way I am just in general. I like think it makes you human. Honestly, I think yeah. everyone feels this way. You just vocalize it. Yeah, I do. And it, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like if I'm in a cr- if I'm like at a party or something, I've got one of my girls, Mariana, again. We have this thing. Oh, we just text. I'll meet you by the cheese. Wherever the food is, that's where we are. Uh-huh. We're gonna be antisocial, sitting by the food, eating. Um, and she knows to come and save me. She's really social, but she just knows that she, ha- she has to come and save me. Like I'll be in the corner with the dog, like just playing yep. with the dog or, or eating <coughs> the food. Um, and I'm, I can do it. I'm, I can h- handle it. But my insides are like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and like, I would just go to the bathroom and stand in front of the mirror and be like, you can do this. <laughs> you can do this. And then I find the other antisocial person at it and we and hang and just sit there awkwardly quietly no we just talk about how uncomfortable we are uh, there you and then that's a connection then you become made a connection weird right i love it uh speaking of food last question what's your favorite food and what'd you bring today i hate this question you hate this question yeah you, this is the only question i told you about i know <laughs> this is the only question you told me about and this is you know what when i thought about when i was see i'm not good at rapid fire am i you're absolutely terrible. I told you. <laughs> Did I not warn you? No, okay. you're not that bad. Okay, okay, my favorite food. I really like sweets. I really like Thai food. I really like pancakes. I wanted to bring pancakes, but like, I don't like old pancakes. I'm really weird with food. Okay, I have a weird relationship. With uh, food. I agree. I don't think I don't think uh, takeaway pancakes are the best. No, but okay. So if you ever go to Five Leaves in Greenpoint, the best pancakes ever. What is it? Five what? Five Leaves. Five Leaves. Okay. Yeah, it's an Aussie spot. Or Ruby's Aussie spot. Best pancakes. The best brunch pa- places in the city are all Aussie. You heard it here. Well, New Yorkers don't do brunch, so it makes sense. It, ugh, they do. They do, and it's terrible locals and greasy. Locals, no, locals don't do brunch. Uh, yeah, sure. But the brunch that you get in New York is shit. Because locals don't eat it. It's like, it's <laughs> like it's for heavy, implants. greasy. Here you, guys, here you go. You want brunch? Enjoy. Mm. Knock yourselves out. 
<laughs> anyway, what'd you bring? I. Ugh. You brought brunch? <laughs> she, she brought brunch. Let's see what you brought. Was it like Vegemite? What is that? This is gold, but we made it a cup of tea. You can pretend like this is tea. Mint. Oh, this, I think we have that here. It's your mint slices suck. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, this is this is I'm like the um. Yes. Ew. Ew. Yeah. Ew. I mean, I mean, I'm Actually, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Girl Scout I'm not cookies. a fan of chocolate and mints. Good. I, None for you. So, so far, she, she insulted Delaware and yeah. Girl Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing well, am I? <laughs> so is this, let's talk about this, though. This is no, a, I, I a love, nostalgic I love thing for you. I love Girl Scouts. I just don't love the chocolate mint slice cookies. Uh, we're, we're just giving you a hard time. Girl Scout cookies, no, I'm not a fan of either, I but I buy like 15, 16 boxes because, a year yeah. for my goddaughter. Yeah, good. Uh, good. Good. What is, what's the story behind mint slice? And this is an Aussie thing, right? Well, we call them biscuits in Australia, not cookies. Um, and everyone is, everyone's really big on Tim Tams in Australia. Have you heard of Tim Tams? No. Thank you. Jeremy. Okay. Jeremy. Disappointing. I've never been to Australia. That's okay. Have you? No. Thank you. Um, um, uh, it's massive. That, so everyone either. is really big on Tim Tams. I what is it? Is it a biscuit? It's a biscuit. Okay. It's a bicky. It's a chalky bicky. A chalky bicky. A chalky bicky. Oh, it's such a weird place. <laughs> <laughs> we need a we need a cup of tea. We need to have a cuppa for our chalky bickies to uh, dip the chalky bickies in. A cuppa to dip the chalky bickies. <laughs> we have we need a cuppa, which we don't have. Gotcha. Yeah. If you were Australian, you would have a cuppa. You would have tea here. With milk and sugar. Milk <coughs> and sugar in the tea? Yeah, milk and sugar in the tea. I'm Persian and that's uh, sacrilege. Yeah, that's fair enough. <coughs> yeah. That's fair <laughs> enough. We do things differently, you know? I mean, sugar, yes, but you don't, <coughs> we don't put milk in our tea. No. Yeah. I, I Sometimes people ask me if I want any tea with that milk. That's the ratio Oh, really? For me. <laughs> I like a lot of milk in the tea. Um, this is just great. I don't know. It's just my go-to. Um, is that something you had as a kid? We, we weren't allowed to eat bad food. Bad food. So this would be like a special treat. I don't ever remember. And maybe that's why I like it so much. Because it was just, the forbidden. We weren't uh, allowed to. We weren't allowed to have, um, I was going to say cordial. You guys don't know what cordial is. It's um, like grenad grenadine. Oh, yeah. Because cordial is really big in Australia. So we, we had to drink water and we had to have brown bread. And now that's how I eat. Everything's full circle. Yeah. Everything that I resisted, I came right back to. Except for this. Although... My dad, my parents do have, my dad does have a big sweet tooth, so we weren't allowed to, but every now and again we would. Gosh. So you don't want one? No, I, I don't like mint and plus I, let me see this. I didn't get, we, we haven't, I'm supposed to Wait, go ahead. Wait, how are you Persian and you don't like mint? Mint and chocolate. Oh. He's so, and that's mint and chocolate. <laughs> so defensive. Mint, mint tea is uh, Moroccan, mm. not Persian. Mm. I do love Moroccan mint tea. Yeah. Like, can we not look at the ingredients? I'm looking at All it. Right, so now I need to get tea for this place. Yeah. All right, so you're going to buy cups. You're going to need to I, buy I, tea. I can't eat this, uh, but I actually... Oh, I that's don't right. You can't that. eat anything. Um, mm -hmm. I do like your cup. You are an amazing woman. <laughs> you are an amazing... Chris kissed me. <laughs> you are an amazing woman. Uh, I appreciate that. You are. Don't assume my gender, Chris. Uh, <laughs>
Anyway, uh, this has been, I feel like we could go on for like five hours with you. Yeah, can we stop but talking about me now? Uh, I'm done. I'm, I'm not, in <laughs> listen, I told people we're not interviewing me until we reach episode 100. So, Jeremy, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, so, it's been uh, nice having you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll have to have you come back at some point. Um, and uh, anything else you want to say before we sign off? Um, come say hi on social media at Kira mm -hmm. Michelle. Um, if you are interested in yoga or meditation, um, get the app. There's an app. What you is don't the have app? to have a bike or a treadmill to do yoga and meditation. And the app is the Peloton app? One Peloton. One Peloton. Yep. Um, okay. And there's access to... I'm not trying to pitch this, but I, this is where I am right now, pitching this. Um, Nothing wrong with pitching. You have access to not only meditation, not only yoga. And there's different yoga teachers. So there's, yoga is such a big, big umbrella. Like if you'd gone to one yoga class and hated it, try a different teacher. Try a different style of yoga. Right, so not only that, but then if you get the monthly subscription, you also have strength boxing, um, Pilates, bar classes. There's so much outdoor mm -hmm. running, outdoor walking. Like phenomenal teachers i work with amazing human beings who are very inspiring um so get yourself into a little bit of health and fitness i agree i think it's amazing especially not just for physical but for mental uh, if they it. have any questions can they reach out to you directly on instagram yeah okay i'll try no I, I, our millions of <laughs> viewers our millions of viewers are going to bombard you okay <laughs> no they'll have like two people and just say you're i don't know anyway I, i'll try all right perfect that's uh, all well, thank you again. Thank I got you. to know a little bit more about you. You did. You still seem a little mysterious to me. But, uh, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean roll. to continue to eye roll you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been nice to hear more of your story, and I appreciate you sharing some of the things you shared. I know it makes it a little hard sometimes to be vulnerable, but uh, okay. I think, I think uh, others out there will appreciate that. Yeah. So thank you. No worries. Thank you. All right, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye.